All right, welcome to Breaking Free Podcast, a body-mind-spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Seitz. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in doing trauma work. And today I have Crystal Barnes with me. I'm so excited to have her and have her share expertise as a family life educator and someone who teaches about the divine feminine and all things mother God. I'm so excited to have her kind of just share her perspectives on how how this learning has really enhanced her own healing. Again, we're going to talk a lot today about healing the mother wound and how that's not just for women, that's also for men and women. So welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And so can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, what a, what a big thing to tackle? I mean, especially, I think uh, this is, these topics have been a little more obscure, I think, for a lot of people, especially in religious traditions. Um, what brought you to seek this type of learning and growth? Well, as I was going about studying religious theology, it became very apparent to me through many different sources that the divine feminine and masculine both have their hands in creation. And that's not something that we generally discuss. I think on average in the world, we hear a lot more about um, male dominance in the divine than we do um, the feminine. And it's interesting to see that in very many traces of um, ancient texts, they're actually referring to both a man and a woman deity. So coming to know that um, has really opened my eyes to seeing how all of us have a place in creation. Um, I believe that we are children of the divine. And so that has opened up my eyes to a new paradigm about our world and where we fit in that. Oh, I love that. And I think you bring out the two things that personally were the most healing for me, which are that there's an image of me in God as a feminine, right? As a woman, that's both creative and sovereign, co-sovereign, right? Because I think I'd always seen a lot of traditions have the idea of like God within like Holy Spirit or, you know, different aspects, but not in like the sovereign, not in God, not in the ruling, you know, creative force of God, right? This idea that the feminine would be like co-equal to uh, God uh, was a new concept to me and really changed my perspective on who I am in the world in relationship to the beautiful men I love in my life, right? As a woman, because it was like, wait, if this model has always existed, then, then it exists for me, right? Absolutely. I definitely see that in my life. I think that when we come to recognize that they are equals in this plan, that they both provide different elements that help kind of counterbalance each other um, within our universe and within ourselves, what we embody as individuals, um, that can really bring forth this creative energy for us. And I think it is so vital that we recognize that divinity stems from more than just the limited perception that we've been given. Yeah. I'm right there with you. You know, I find that, you know, history is told by those who write it down. Right. And I think that one of the things we might want to address today is like, why did this happen? I don't think men and women have just decided to be at odds with each other in terms of like these things. But I do think that, you know, we can look back in history. I'm a student of history and see that 
unfortunately things get edited out or erased before the agendas of the people that are at the ruling power at that time. And that is pretty well documented uh, with the divine feminine voice, right? That there was a divine feminine voice uh, and at different times for the agendas of, let's be honest, people wanting to have land or power, different things, right? Just powers that be seeking to kind of take advantage of that. Um, maybe their physical prowess was more, right? So there was that sense of dominance that happened and the feminine voice got kind of suppressed. And so I think that's why, um, you know, history is told by the, the conquerors, right? And so we've lost some of that beautiful information. Isn't it cool to live in a time when it's starting to come back? Yes, it definitely is. And we can see this in all forms of writing just about, um, if you look deep enough, you can find traces of that. And we see it in ancient mythologies and religious theologies across the board within several denominations and faith-based practices. We can see it in the earliest forms of human history as well, the mentions of a feminine goddess. And we can even see traces of it in some of our typical holidays too, in the beginnings of those holidays. Um, and it really does cause for a true paradigm shift. Um, if we want to dive into biblical texts, um, we can see that the term Elohim, if you're looking at the Hebrew transliteration of the word and Greek and Aramaic, you see these different terms pop up. One is Elohim and one is Almighty, one is Abloom. And they all relate back to a father, mother, God of the cosmos in regards to the womb. And so I find that really beneficial to recognize that oftentimes when almighty is mentioned or wisdom or God itself, that it is often referring back to feminine and masculine deities. And so that's one form that we can see that. And we've also seen that through the Deuteronomic reform that took place in biblical times, um, right after the first temple era, that um, we went from a state of polytheism to monotheism, where they conflated the terms El and Yahweh, which were the father and the son, and any other form of deity, they conflated them into one. And so from that point forward in scripture, they only referred to Yahweh, which was Christ. Mm -hmm. And with that, we went from having um, dual gods that worked in harmony together with feminine and masculine strengths to kind of canceling out the feminine deity. And there is a lot of evidence that does suggest um, in the Bible and also different archeological finds that the mother truly was taken out of text intentionally. So we can see yeah. that in many different forms. We have a lot of evidence for that. And I think that all paths of healing, this is one thing I often teach here, and I really believe this deeply, all paths of healing lead to forgiveness. I, I did a podcast called, Are You Brave? You can go back and listen to that at some point if you're listening here. But that was me doing my, what I call my feminist inventory and kind of coming to these knowledges of these things, just like you, Crystal, like recognizing that men had silenced this voice that I had been denied this beautiful like mirror of myself and the in, in God and women and, and and how much I had missed that in my life and how much that had changed who I had become in the world. And it was painful. So if you're waking up to that right now, like this is the first time you've even considered these things. I remember when I 
first noticed it and it kind of tailspun me for a little while just this idea that like what else have I been lied to about or what else has been hidden from me but I think that what really helped me the most was to understand that we all do the best we can with the consciousness that we have and that I wasn't at odds with men that they had been injured just as much as I had in this knowledge and that was in prayer in prayer right now that I recognized that there was a father mother God and I was praying kind of asking them both like that made sense to me because I could see father, mother, God, and all, you know, everything in nature has a, a masculine and feminine and then creation, you know, I, my, I create a child with my spouse, like everything had this kind of duality in it. So it made sense to me that the pattern would continue in God, but it was hard for me to like make sense of now what, right? What am I going to do with my life? How am I going to respond to the people I love with this new knowledge and it, a ton of forgiveness work had to happen so that I could then come to the table and say, okay, now how do I want to respond? So if that's where you're at, you might need to do your inventory and, and, and work on letting, forgiving people for not knowing what they had done, right? Like not some knew it, but they don't live now, right? Some really knew what they were doing. Let's be real. They knew. And we know that they knew, um, but they're not your spouse. You know, they're not the men that are standing around you today. That's my perspective. What do you think, Crystal? I am 100% with you. I think that when we look at this, this information, I, I think it's vital to understand that there are two sides, but not just for the feminine or a female perspective. It's so important that we understand this as an inclusive message, that it is for all people, because all individuals have divine feminine and masculine traits in them as we believe, or I believe, that we are all children of deity yeah. and that our spirits stem from them. And so these feminine and masculine parts of us, they are innate and we need to be able to embrace that. But um, because history has taken us away from that, in a sense, it comes to a point of where we have to come to rediscovery of the mother and how she plays in line with the father. And um, I think that this can be related um, to many different faith um, perspectives as well. But I found it very interesting that this last year, um, people have come to recognize it as the year of the mother because more and more people have been having what they consider spiritual awakenings of their souls and enlightenment and rediscovering the mother in a forgotten sense with a new lens. And I think that that is so powerful um, when we come to recognize that there is more here than what we currently see. And that knowledge can help us to benefit the people around us. One thing that I love to mention when I go about talking about the feminine divine is that I am all for elevating women while elevating men, coming to a place of cohesiveness, healing, unity, building each other up rather than tearing down. I think we can get so sidetracked by thinking in the space of a wounded man or a wounded woman where we have all of this hurt and anxiety um, and different side effects that can come through our neurophysiology. Is it all right if I take it to? Yeah, let's talk about a little bit about the neuroscience of this. Absolutely, thank you. Well, so, so one term that we discuss a lot when dealing with trauma is the concept of a parent wound. And in this um, example, I'm going to be focusing on 
the mother's wound. So a parent wound typically comes about when we have trauma or pain that stems from either a loss of a parent um, or never having involvement of a parent, abuse, neglect, or physical loss, grieving over a lost parent. And what happens in life when we face stresses and anxieties or challenges and they come to us, we, our brain takes this as a coping mechanism. And in a neurophysiological um, stance, we can recognize that when we're given these challenges, our brain takes that and says, okay, well, I've got to act. So either we go into a phase of fight or flight where we either take it head on or we run away from it out of fear or we come to a place of shutting down emotionally. And what that can do, either flighting or shutting down, that can take us to a place where rather than addressing our pain, we're suppressing we're suppressing information, the incoming stimuli, and that can be very debilitating. And we can actually see this contribute to tons of different side effects that we can have in our health, including migraines, shingles, you name it. And this can keep us from processing, from healing and having forward momentum in our lives. And with that, we lack a sense of self and identity in a sense without that parent figure filling in that role for us that we so desperately need. Without that, we can experience the pain from a broken relationship, whether or not that was intentional. And so as we recognize this lack in us of the awareness that we carry divine feminine and masculine traits, that we have deities who are involved in our lives and who gave us a part of their essence. Without that knowledge, I believe that we are all to a degree lost souls until we come to rediscover them and find that healing within ourselves. Wow. Let's just take a pause for that. I, I mean, I, as a trauma specialist, I can't tell you I took a body, mind, spirit approach to mental health, Crystal, because of this very fact. You know, I, I, you could talk all day long to people about their stories and give them new belief sets and heal emotions and, you know, do that integration type of work that's typical for traditional counseling. But if you didn't go a layer too deep and deal with, like we are going to talk about today, the, the divine feminine masculine energies that were broken, and you didn't also look at their lack of connection to the divine that they needed. Now, again, everybody connects differently, right? Depending on how you do that, but you didn't recognize that there is this spiritual part of them that was calling to reconnect to the truth of who they are. It's amazing how many physical symptoms and mental, emotional symptoms are showing up, which, which really are just kind of calling out to this mother or father wound that exists. And I also, I'd like to point out because people don't have perfect earthly parents, right? We don't have that. Uh, most people grow up in homes where injury happens in some of these areas. That's, mo that's the majority of humans, right? There's because our parents are doing the best they can. Where do we feel that lack, right? Where do we go to, to say, 
particularly if you have a mother wound, right? Like, okay, if I, I, I personally, whenever I had, if I had a father wound, then I would be like, okay, well, I believed in a father God. And so I would go to my father and I felt like my father would hear me and I would have that sense of stability in God. And that was wonderful. But when I had mother's stuff, which I did in my case, when I had mother's stuff, I didn't feel until I understood more about her. And I did luckily from, I knew a little bit about her from a young age. It was kind of like, yeah, there's this mother God, but we don't talk about her much. And it's, she's so special and up on a pedestal. And the way that I related it to myself when I was trying to heal it, I was like, it would be like my mother's in the house and she's in it behind a door and I'm not allowed to talk to her. And how do I know she loves me or sees me if I'm never allowed to talk to her or connect to her or know anything about her? Yeah, she's here, but what does that matter if I don't have a relationship with her and I can't connect to her? And so that became so important for me personally in healing my actual real life connection with the feminine in real time, like my, my, my mother, my sisters, women in my life, like I was able to heal that work through saying, hey, but I'm loved with out condition and I have this mother to kind of draw upon to help me in the healing process. And I, I've seen that knowledge be very helpful to people in the healing process. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, and I think I always will be on this subject, Summer. But I definitely, I've seen in my life um, the impact that acknowledging a mother can have. I, I grew up very similarly to you. I had a knowledge, um, a slight knowledge of having a feminine divine character in my life, but I didn't know how to apply that. I thought that that was something that we weren't supposed to know. I didn't understand why I craved this. And so I would suppress it. And I think we often, you touched on this, but I think we often turn to deity in our low moments or when we're pondering, when we, we have a question in mind and we are just trying to make sense of our world and where we fit in this universe. And when we only recognize a father God, that limits us in a sense. Although I don't believe that speaking about the mother deflects or detracts from the father. I think that they all work together for our good and that they stand together in unity. So I don't think that bringing her up in conversation is something that is going to take away from the father. And I personally believe, and this is my strict opinion, but I do not believe that the father ever put away the mother. My personal belief is that we lost her through history and, um, and through domination. And men and women alike, we're all learning how to heal from this mother's wound, from the wounded man and wounded women syndrome. And when we come to simply acknowledge her presence that can be a very healing and powerful thing in my experience i'd done all this research before ever approaching the idea of connecting with the mother because i felt like i needed permission but as i was studying i would feel these glimpses of her in my life i could feel this spirit overcoming me with love and compassion and strength and all of those strong characteristics that a feminine divine could embody. And it reminds me actually of Wonder Woman <laughs> by Gal Gadot. She portrayed um, a feminine goddess with perfection in my eyes. Like I see her in her strength, in her dignity, in her ever flowing love and compassion and having 
this inward sense of nurture and guidance, but she was also a warrioress. And she went and conquered that battle. But did she do a lot of harm to people in the process? No, she went out there and she took on everything that was getting sent in her direction and sent it elsewhere. And in the process of this, she healed the world. And that is how I see our Heavenly Mother. When we allow her to take that place in our lives, we can see that change. We can see that shift. And allowing her to be part of our lives can impact the world around us. And it can bring about healing. There's this quote from Carl Jung where he says, if we practice mindfulness, and by mindfulness, I take this as recognizing our innate and divine traits as children of the feminine divine and divine masculine. So back to his quote, if we practice mindfulness, we will know how to look deeply into the nature of war and with our insight, wake people up so that together we can avoid repeating the same horrors again and again. And what I love from that is the sense of unity that he's bringing about with this, the concept of dissolving the fight between men and women that we ourselves have created and that we can undo. I believe that as we embrace the divine feminine, war would cease, love and light could be restored, and it could be a place of healing and progression. And I, that is an ideal. <laughs> I am a hopeless romantic at heart, but I do believe that as we come to recognize her and include her in the dialogue and apply that in our own lives as men and women, that can bring about healing. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. And one of the things that you said, it was just one word, but I want to bring it out, Crystal, was that you said that you felt like you needed permission and that you needed to do a lot of research in order to have that permission. I wonder how many people in the voice of this podcast are in the same boat. I think that one of the things that the suppression of the feminine has done has taught us that we're not sovereign with God, right? That we need permission, that we don't have direct access, right? That I can't just go to God on my own and say, God, is there a mother there? And whatever you're in, you know, what, whatever your concept of God is right now, right? Even if you just like God is love, or I don't know, I don't even know who God is. I have a lot of clients who are like, I don't even know if I can say God yet. I'm not sure that I'm in that place. Right. But they're like, I think there's this higher power wherever you are in your journey of spirituality. Is it okay for you to approach God on your own? And are you worthy of asking those questions and getting those answers yourself? And does God wish to speak to you just as much as God wishes to speak to anyone? And I think that's such a big piece that was lost for the, particularly the feminine in the world, that the idea was that they had to go through somebody else. And that's not just the feminine, right? Other traditions believed the same, like that was the suppression of, I mean, if you look at some churches, they didn't even allow the printing of the Bible for a while, or um, there was, there was literally like, no, we'll interpret this for you because it was used as a way of political uh, control, right? And so we have to look at what, where these ideas came from of having to go through somebody else to reach God and, and ask ourselves, would a loving God want you anywhere but near? You know, wouldn't you, I mean, would you want your kids to feel like they couldn't call you whenever or talk to you whenever, right? And would you, wouldn't you, wouldn't you answer them in just the way that they can hear it? So for me, I stopped that dialogue, which I believe was a false tradition of permission 
And that was the first piece I think of this healing process was that God's no respecter of persons. I fully believe that like you're just as worthy as answers as I am. And we're all one, we're all equal before God and we can all ask questions and get answers. And, and if those answers don't line up with crystal or somebody else, that doesn't necessarily mean they're wrong. That just means you're getting a different perspective for you and your unique, unique life and path. And I, maybe I don't speak for you, right? I just speak for myself, right? But I think that that's one of the pieces that were, was lost, particularly for women, because the idea was that uh, we didn't have permission. We had to ask somebody else. What do you think? I am right there with you. You made so many great points. Um, I do believe men are also suffering from this issue. For women, it's all of us. And I think that um, that is why we see so much contention in our world, because women were held back, that voices were suppressed and thought suppressed, men had to take on these bigger roles than what they could carry. We talk about the uh, weight on their shoulders, right, when it comes to men and women. And I think we both um, contributed to that and also experienced the form of abuse that came with that. And we can see that in biblical text that people have gone back and through the translation at times it may not have been intentional but there are times that we are fairly certain that it may have been a very intentional act to suppress women's voices and oftentimes prophets words were skewed and we can see that they took away people's permission to reach out to their deities as a whole, working together in unison, the divine feminine and masculine. And without that permission, as you've been saying, we didn't feel like we had the right to turn to them. But I found for me in my personal life that um, I, I went to ask the father one day if it was all right. And before he could even get the words out, I'm laying in my bed. I'm tired. I just asked in a plea. I went to ask, can I speak to her? And before I could even say that, I had this image flash in my mind with the mother, the father, and the son. And they were all looking at me smiling and I back and forth between them and asking, is this okay? Is this okay? And there were no verbal words said, but their spirit spoke to me. Yes, this is okay. This is your mother. She's always been there. And I turned to my mother and I felt heat rising from my chest. As I said, thank you, Heavenly Mother. Thank you, Heavenly Mother. Thank you, Heavenly Mother. Until I could no longer contain my excitement and I embraced her. And we fell into this embrace and we stayed there for a while and my human insecurities came out of me. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this, this is my Heavenly Mother. She must be like, oh, you silly child, I've always been here. So I pull back and I see these tears streaming down her face as if to say, my daughter, where have you been? Mm -hmm. And then we fall into an embrace, all, all of us, all four of us. And it gradually, it stayed there in that image for a while. And then it gradually dissipated. Now, I believe that, you know, this is not a vision for the world. <laughs> this was a personal experience for me. I don't get to speak in behalf of other people, but I do believe that we can all have our own confirmation of the divine feminine and masculine in our lives. If we only ask that direct source, we know that the spirit 
contains all truths. And if we ask and we feel from that source, we can receive those divine answers. So yes, Summer, I do believe that we have all the permission in the world to access them as their children. If there is an intermediary, it's Christ. And outside of that, there is none. There are direct source to revelation. You know, one thing I love, because I'm definitely a student of the life and teachings of Christ, like that's my kind of my biggest divine teacher. And I think that's the mirror uh, that we have, right? That's the most researched, very, you know, most everyone agrees, no matter what they feel about Christianity, that, that there was a Christ that lived and there was a massive impact that he had on the world, right? That he did walk on the earth and he did teach concepts, whether they see him as part of deity or not, they, they recognize that fact. That's kind of a historical fact. But for me, I see him, you know, as actually the son, uh, son of mother and father God. And that's just my own personal belief. But as I have studied his life, it's so interesting to me how he was continually throwing out, always calling out suppression, right? Going towards the marginalized, wasn't a big fan of hierarchies or traditions and was very much, he broke up all the rules, right? The rules of his time. He's like, yeah, no, that's not it. Like, you're not understanding who father, mother, God is. Like, that's not how we do things. This is not a list of to-dos. This is actually a, a way of being in the world. Like God is love. You know, we're here to love each other that's your new law, right? The law of love and the gospel of peace. And so as I look at Christ, I realize that he was not necessarily a supporter of the powers it be. And I think for me, that's also given me permission to go on this journey because it's all an emulation of that. So I, I'm like, hey, what would Christ have me do here? In my case, I ask myself that. And it's always, you know, speak for the, the ones that can't speak, right? Don't recognize that powers it be sometimes do cause and I'll name it spiritual abuse, and they don't intend it, but they are doing it because they know not what they say. You know, they, they're, they're lost as well, and they may believe they're doing it right, uh, but just because they believe it doesn't mean it doesn't cause harm. You know what I mean? So all of those things I think Christ, if you look at his life, really spoke to, that's another permission I think that's really helped me personally. But let's let's do something real here, just because I want to make sure we fill in the gaps. In case you're new to this whole concept of divine feminine masculine, I don't think we've really touched on this today, Crystal. We've acted because you and I are students of this and it's like common knowledge for us, but these are actual energies. They're not about gender. So if you're stuck on the idea that it's about, you know, being a woman, you know, in your makeup, right? Your physical makeup or a man in your physical makeup, it's actually more than that. And, and I think if you look at me personally, you know, I have aspects of my genetically of my mother and father within me in my makeup, right? So there's not, I'm not, while I'm genetically a woman, I'm both. Right. And so that's the idea kind of of these energies, but they're really about attributes and, and how we create and how we interact with the world. So if you looked in Chinese medicine, it would be yin and yang. Yin would be the feminine, yang would be the masculine, but they're really more speaking to potentialities of development. So again, this is just a little review, but the masculine energy would be like, I always used to think I was such a daddy's girl because these were such prime attributes for me, like divine leadership, you know, uh, wanting support, being that supportive energy, um, directional. This is the, the, the doing productive energy. And I'm, that's a lot of how I've interacted with the world. And then there's that feminine energy in me, right, like as well, right? Which is that creative, more flowing, more cyclical, having emotion, feeling. And we have a tendency, if we even look at our language to say one is feminine, one is masculine and kind of downplay one or over the other. But what we see is if we look at the father mother wound, and I just want to share this, 
women are injured by not understanding their power and their sovereignty and their, their creative abilities that they can be productive and, and do things in the world, right? They get choice around that. Then they're not just supportive of people to men. And men have a, a wound just as much in not understanding that they get to be creative, they can have their feelings, that their worth isn't based on what they produce or do, how much they make, you know, those types of concepts. And so when I asked my husband about this, you know, what, how did he feel like not knowing his mother God had affected him? He said, I was told my whole life, like how much money I made or how supportive I was of the family was like my value. I suppressed my emotions. I suppressed my creativity. He's like, I used to play the piano all the time. I don't got time for that. I got to go out and provide for my family. And where I suppressed in the idea that maybe there were things that were limited to me because I was supposed to just be focused on my mothering, nurturing side, right? And so I think this is where you see men and women kind of playing this out, but you can see how each one of us has both. Does that make sense to you as I explain that, Crystal? Absolutely. Okay. Because it may not to all that's listening. So I want to make sure we got that out there as you continue. I'm trying to think where you would want to go next. I, you, I love that you shared your experience of why this was important to you. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your findings. Like how, maybe we can get to know Mother God through you a little more. So for those of us that are going, okay, this makes sense to me. Now what? Well, I feel like I've, I've shared a lot of my experience already, but I do think, so my process has been more one of reflection mm-hmm. and discovering the reality of a divine feminine and masculine and recognizing that I had traits from both of them. And I loved that you discussed that we are lacking from both and we see how that plays out in how the world views typical gender roles, right? Right. Men need to provide, they need, you know, break their back and work just to help us survive. And, and women, we're confined to this space where we give all the love that we can. And I think oftentimes women feel like, and men feel like their services are not always acknowledged. And I think that that is what creates a huge divide between men and women and the unity that they have. So going back to your question, knowing that that these are things that I've seen in my own sphere, rediscovering truly who I am as a daughter of divinity and that I have everything within me that I need to be able to address the challenges that lie ahead for me, the things that I am experiencing in this moment and whatever I may face in the future, like I am equipped enough to handle life's burdens, even when it seems overpowering and I don't have the answers. The problem that we've had is we haven't looked inward. We haven't dug deep enough to find the roots within our souls and found alignment in our lives. But once we do, once we start seeking and asking and finding alignment in our lives, we can be open to this creative process and recognizing that we can have an impact on our world. We don't have to sit with what we currently have in our dialogue and in our cultural norms. We can actually span beyond that and help people to recognize their value. And that is truly where healing takes place. And knowing that, um, so I found these things as a family life educator. I, I went to school to become a family therapist and I ended up stumbling upon an education route through my degree. 
And I was able to, instead of sitting down with people one-on-one and doing a therapy session, letting the bottle, you know, everything that's been bottled up come out instead of doing that, which I love your approach summer, (laughs) but from my standpoint, it's easier for me to educate people on, on different things that, that we can see as healing elements in our relationships. And so in order to do that, I really had to come to terms with these concepts of the mother's wound, of, of the wounded man and woman, of trauma and our neurophysiology and how we react to things and how within every person, I believe there is something that's suppressed. Uh, we talk about how there's a veil over the earth sometimes, right? We don't have access to the other world, right? And really, I I don't know how accurate that is. I think we have almost put these veils over ourselves and limited our own understanding. And I think that if we reach deep enough, we can start to unveil those mysteries of heaven. Okay, a couple of things I wanna highlight that you said are so beautiful. Um, One is that we, uh, that education is key. I think that we, when we learn something, we get a new paradigm, right? It can shift everything. When we know better, we do better. So I think that education is key. And actually that's, I was an educator. You don't know this, but as a professional educator, I taught public school before a counselor. So I feel like my clients know I always bring that element in because it's so important, right? To self-empower. The idea is not to be dependent on the process, but for them to be self-healers. And then you went to that concept of like, what does self-healing look like just for those that are listening? And it's alignment right? It's alignment. So like recognizing that we have a unique soul, right? That has these aspects, getting to know that soul going within, releasing the, 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 let's be honest, the programming. It's kind of, I always think of healing as coming back to our actual self, right? Letting go of things that kind of weren't yours in the first place that you picked up in culture, society, letting those go. And then I'd like to add a piece, just this last part you said, healing is really just correcting the errors in our mind. Like where is this mind, where is this veil created? It's in our minds, right? Like we've created it in our belief sets. If you don't believe that you're separate from God or earth or people, you're not. That's your reality, right? You create that. So I've done a lot of work on this personally in alignment with God is love. This is one of my favorites. It comes from the Course in Miracles, but God is love and therefore so am I. And, and that's, and I'm love, like, that's it. That's who I am. That's my true identity. Right. And the more that I connect to that identity and align with that, the more that my behavior, my thought systems like align with that. And it creates a different reality for me and how I interact with others. So that's just a good example, but it's all about alignment to what though, right? Not to the external, but the internal. And I think that it goes back to that permission to do that, that permission to go in, do the inner healing shedding things and and Carl Jung who we brought up today talks about this in shadow work yeah so shadow work would just be like acknowledging the you know the the cut off parts of us I love how you brought up the trauma model because generally we have a lot of protectors that don't allow us to do the shadow work like you said going numb running away from shutting down you know these types of things happen so if those are happening to you that's probably speaking to something in you that isn't acknowledged. And so maybe if you can still be those things, be aware of those things and just say, you know what, I, I love on those parts of me, but there's this deeper part of me that just really needs to tell its story. Uh, that can be a good beginning point for some of you. Cause I think that for us, some, sometimes that little inner person just needs to have a good cry of it and be like, 
this is really painful that I've lived so far away from my truth for so long. I, I, have you ever had that experience where you just felt that inner pain kind of coming up and out and maybe even relationship to this topic? Absolutely. Uh, and maybe I didn't clarify this enough, but as I've gone through this process to heal my inner self, I've realized that there have been several things in my life that I've suppressed. Mm. And I do believe that a lot of this is tied to our connection with deity as well. Um, I think that as we reflect on our pain and try to unravel that within us, and we can come to a point where we remember past memories, um, we can have a sense of clarity about what went down in our lives that can help us heal from grief, from all of these thought processes that can come about through not addressing that pain. And that can really limit us in our relationships. And so when we dig deeper and we recognize that we have pains there that need to be released and we're willing to address, okay, I, I went through this. And then A, B, and C happened, and we're able to process that, the how and the why behind it, then we're able to eventually come to a place of reconciliation or healing and allowing ourselves to just feel, just be, just embody the things that we really want to personify. And like I mentioned earlier, I think we have all of that. We have all of the things that we need in order to provide that healing for our soul's but also with our deities. Beautiful. Um, so one of the things that I would love you to bring up is like, um, let's talk a little bit about Mother Earth because for those that know me, I have a passion about trees. You kind of alluded to the fact that some of the things may be in traditions. We just had Christmas, right? So there's some clues here, but one of the ways, I, I may or may not share the story, but one of the ways that I first started connecting to Mother God was within the trees. As I would walk through the trees, I would feel her in nature. And I kind of knew that was her temple. Like I kind of knew that from a very young age. I, I've spent a lot of time in trees and I've worked with a lot of women who've been waking up to these things. Like I, I have a group called Whole Women Link. Most people know that. And we're, we do we do talk about seasonal kind of seasonal healing and we, we, we incorporated earth into that healing process. So we've had some classes on some of these things, but yeah, I will share it. So one day I was struggling and I went to a place of peace for me. It was like a, a, a temple ground. Like some people have those. So I was on the ground and I, I, I didn't feel to, to, you know, go in, into sanctuary at that point, but I, I felt really strongly to get out of my car and just go put my hand on a tree. And I'm like, what am I doing? This is so strange. But I take my hand, I put it on this tree and all of a sudden this massive amount of pain just comes to my awareness. I was feeling the pain of the world and it was almost, it was so overwhelming. I, I didn't even know what to do, but I knew in that moment that mother was showing me the feminine wound and I, I felt it so strongly in that tree. And in that place, it was kind of unique that I would feel that. And that started my journey on this has to be addressed and this needs to be addressed. Interestingly enough, that temple of nature was where I was being directed to do that work. So I just found that very interesting for me. That was the direction I got that day. But ever since then, I've done a lot of studying on trees and cultures and like, there's just a lot there. So that's one of the archetypes I know of, but I saw here in your notes that you have some concepts with mother earth. So can you share some of your learnings there? Well, sure. Um, when it comes to 
Mother Earth. I, I think that, you know, we refer to the Earth as a mother for one, yeah. Mother Earth, Mother Nature. And uh, we actually know that that axis Monday was meant to, it, we kind of view it like a tree with roots and a trunk that stretches up and it connects us to the earth, the spirit world and the heavens. So basically everything in between, it connects heaven and earth, which is very symbolic. We see a lot of symbols of this throughout history and physical symbols and the tree itself is so symbolic of feminine deity um, when it comes to fruit bearing trees, because they produce, they reproduce, and they provide a new body in a sense. And so we can liken that to a mother in that form. Water also is a very powerful spiritual imagery. Yeah, tell us about that, that one I know some of. Well, what I know from this, it's based on the Hebrew terms for spirits and water, wind, breath of life, those are all feminine nouns in Hebrew. And, you know, this might just be a little, you know, glimpse into what it could be, but it makes sense to think of water as this free-flowing, fluid movement with feminine energy that goes with a course, you know, is very free-moving, free-acting, and uh, you can see a sense of balance with it. I don't know if you've experienced like a sense of healing with water, but I personally believe that there are healing properties with water. Um, it is, for one, we find water to be so soothing. And we go to these pools where we can bask in and relax and let down our guard. And it's, in a sense, it's unnerving because we're able to just let go of our stresses and immerse ourselves in this beautiful water, almost like a hug um, from a feminine divine where we just, we feel safe in this space. We can let go. For me, if we're going to talk about horoscopes, <laughs> I am a cancer and associated with that is water as my element. Yeah. And I can tell you that is definitely true for me. I really um, respond well to water. Anytime that I've been at the ocean, I'm just completely taken over by the scenery. I think that those listening would love to hear even more from you. And maybe, maybe we uh, will have more of you on here, but um, another day, but I do think that it's important to explore uh, the elements in nature. I mean, at home and link, we, you can actually figure out what elements you're related to. We have a quiz there that you can take for free at store.homeandlink.com. I'm earth and fire. <laughs> that's kind of fun. They're kind of opposites in some ways. And I think that's why earth calls to me, water calls to you. My husband is a water guy as well. And he finds that there. Um, but I think that when we've had such dominant masculine energies in this world, and that's one thing, right? The, 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 the masculine energy has been so dominant for men and women. I mean, let's end on that, right? Women too, right? I, I'm personally going to sabbatical for a bit this summer. I was just telling Crystal this offline before because I've been so in my doing, serving, producing energy. Again, part of my divine, right? For so long that I, mother was letting me know, this mother energy was letting me know that I needed to connect to my playfulness, to my creativity and come back from that place of abundance and flow and connection to then produce from a more grounded, more, let's be more, bear, more fruit bearing place. And that me understanding and connecting to the divine feminine would be my healer. 
And that's not just for women. I've sat with many men who have denied their feminine part, even felt ashamed of their creativity, their, their sensitivities, because that wasn't considered masculine. And yet when they connected to that mother energy within them, got into nature, that was the very thing that healed them, right? So I think there's some elements to connecting to mother, whether you do it on a hike, whether you do it in the water, whether you do it in scripture, whether you do it in prayer, we have all these ways to really ground into the feminine energy, which is often considered earth, if you look at traditions, and then connect to the, the masculine energy, which is considered sky, God. You know, I love, I was thinking about this today, like I love this, the, the hymn, the line, you know, and heaven and nature sing, you know, like that, that part of the Christmas hymn, I can't remember which one that is right now, but heaven and nature sing, and I often think of that. And I think of that as mother, father, like they're singing together. Like there's this harmony of heaven and nature singing together in one. And I'm all about oneness and balance. That's my North star as a human to try to restore balance within myself through alignment and others. So that's my invitation to the community and, and just Crystal, can they find more about you? Like, I, I think that your, your Instagram particularly offers a beautiful amount of information. So I'd love them to be able to find you and learn more from you. Uh, after this podcast. Sure. And thanks so much for having me on board, Summer. This has just been a delight. And I hope that we've been able to bring about some clarity, but thank you for allowing me to be part of this. You can find more about me at my heavenly mother on Instagram or at Crystal Larie Music, L-A-R-E-E. That's my music account. But at my Heavenly Mother account, um, I'm just trying to create a safe space for us to share about the divine feminine and masculine um, and to bring hope to other seekers as well. So I hope to see you there. Thank you so much. And one last thing, I, you know, one thing I'd like to say, give you is like, if you could give one message to men and women listening, what would you invite them to do? And you're learning, what do you think would be helpful in restoring this connection, uh, healing the mother wound? I would first suggest that we look inwards, that we come to, for ourselves, reflect on the pain, the joys, anything that may be suppressed within us, and just allow us to feel and emotionally regulate so that we can get to a place of healing. And then once we get to that space, to allow that for other people in our lives and help heal our own relationships. And as we do that, when you find it in yourself, when you come to a place of wholeness in recognizing both parts of the divine feminine and masculine in you, to come to a place where you can just freely acknowledge what is there, ask and call upon those elements and those deities and see for yourself how you fit in that plan. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. And I, I think that has been the message of whole women link all along, right? Whole women. You just gave a new definition to whole women today that I've always felt too, but I don't always explain it. Like whole women are connected to all parts of self, right? Divine masculine, divine feminine. They're linked together because we always link together in unity and oneness, right? When we're in wholeness, we're all one you know, we, that's idea is we connect, right? We connect, right? We heal ourselves and then we go out and we, and heal others. So thank you so much for your message, Crystal. I think it's going to resonate. And um, I look forward to talking to all of you again soon.